It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire back with you guys. It is the first episode officially of the 2019 offseason. It is the day after Super Bowl 53, and the New England Patriots once again are the Super Bowl champions, defeating the Los Angeles Rams 13-3 to to claim their sixth Super Bowl title. Uh, so I f- figure I'll give a little bit of my take, and then I think we'll continue on with the uh, positional breakdowns that we kind of started the other day. We'll look at, uh, I think we'll look at wide receiver and tight end this time around, but I, I definitely want to start with the Super Bowl because obviously everybody's talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, It definitely feels like a strange game. I mean, in a season where there was all this scoring, so much, so much offense, you know, Patrick, you saw what two quarterbacks throw for 5,000 yards. Patrick Mahomes threw for 50 touchdowns. You had the four, Highest scoring teams in the NFL all make it to Championship Sunday. And then, obviously, the Patriots and Rams getting to the Super Bowl, so two of the top four. So we expected a lot of scoring. And wouldn't you know, it ends up being the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever. Just 16 combined points. The previous low was 21 combined points. That was when the Dolphins beat the Redskins 14-7 to in Super Bowl six. Or Super Bowl Seven, I think one of the two. Uh, that, of course, was the year that the, uh, the uh, Dolphins completed the undefeated 17-0 season in route to the to the, the Super Bowl championship. But it's it's just really strange the fact that we just watched the Los Angeles Rams team that was just so high powered on offense again under Sean McVay, and they put up three points like not even did they not even make it into the end zone they didn't even make it into the red zone like that that's a baffling that that's one of my that's probably one of the first takeaways and one of the biggest takeaways that i have from this game is the fact that the, the rams never even reached the red zone at all in this game and i think the patriots only ran one play in the red zone and nobody reached the red zone until I think the fourth quarter. It it was just unbelievable. And look, I understand everybody saying, Oh, it was a boring game. No scoring, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. How many times have we said over the years, defense wins championships. And that's exactly what you saw here. This was a defensive masterpiece from a defensive mastermind in Bill Belichick. And obviously credit uh, Brian Flores as well, too, who actually calls the plays for the Patriots. And he certainly will be a big loss for the Patriots because, I mean, we all are aware now that Flores 
actually is probably in Miami as we speak. You know, I'm recording this around midday Monday, so probably even as we speak, and certainly as you guys are listening, to, or by the time you guys listen to this, Flores, I believe, should be in Miami to officially be introduced as the next head coach of the Miami Dolphins. The Rams, of course, as well, are losing an assistant coach as well. They are losing quarterback coach Zach Taylor. He is headed to Cincinnati to become head coach of the Bengals. And I think, I wonder how many how many Bengals fans are worried now since this is, you know, a, what have you done for me lately league? And the last time we saw a Rams quarterback, he pooped the bed to kind of make it a little PG here. But you got to give the Patriots credit. I mean, to just put up the defensive effort that they did against this Rams team. You know, they were in Goff's face basically all day. And it's crazy because we had seen earlier in the day that uh, the Rams offensive line was named offensive line of the year. And they go and put up this kind of performance. I mean, you saw a false start penalty. You know, I, I, I remember at least the one false start penalty on Rob Havenstein. Uh well, this wasn't necessarily the offensive line, but Jared Goff, I think, forgot that. I think there was that one play where Jared Goff seemed to forget the snap count. I mean, it was it was just really strange for the Rams. But the way the, the Patriots just got pressure on Goff all day and, you know, stopped the run game. And that was obviously another big story, too, is why didn't we see more of Todd Gurley? Why did he only end up, end up with 10 carries in the Super Bowl? Was, is, was Todd Gurley? You know, is, is there some was there some kind of injury with Todd Gurley that we did not know about? Because there were plenty of drives where he wasn't even on the field. I, it, it's just kind of baffling to me to think, you know, what the game plan was or, or what's going on with Todd Gurley. But you know, not that C.J. Anderson ran bad, but. Todd Gurley's your star player. He's your, you know, former first round investment. Why was he not on the field more? But nonetheless, the Patriots did a fantastic job stopping the run, a fantastic job, obviously shutting down the pass as well, because I mean that was just a horrendous effort from Jared Goff. And uh the one big well, there's two big plays. The the big one that we know of, I'll get to in a minute, but the first one I want to talk about is that near touchdown that he threw to Brandon Cooks that was batted away by, I believe that was Jason McCourty. I, f- I forget which twin it was, but I think it was one of the McCourty twins. I th- think it might have been Jason. But one, one of them, you know, knocked the ball away at the last second, making a nice play. But, oh, if Goff would have got rid of that ball just a second sooner... I think he hits Cooks, and the Rams take take the lead, and this is probably a, a completely different game. And then, of course, the big play that we're going to – probably the bigger play that we're going to talk about, or maybe the biggest play, is that interception by Stephon Gilmore stepping uh, – I believe that was intended for Cooks as well – stepping in front of him, picking off the pass, and 
really that killed any hope that the Rams had of winning the game because it seemed, you know, they were driving. There was only a few minutes left. They had a chance to take the lead and Gilmore basically shuts the door. And I don't, Oh no, that's right. The Rams did get the ball back because then the the Patriots kicked that field goal to make it 13, three. But the Rams basically just had, just didn't have enough time to really do anything. And how fitting was it that they come out to at least attempt a field goal to make it a seven-point game and give themselves a shot at the onside kick? And Zerline misses it. You know, what what, what a fitting end to this Super Bowl. Uh, and it's crazy to think, you know, we, we saw at the beginning of the game where uh, they posted the graphic that kickers were 31 of 31, on field goal attempts in Mercedes-Benz Stadium this season. And wouldn't you know, Steven Goskowski, of course, misses the first field goal attempt of the Super Bowl. But again, just uh, a, a huge credit to what the Patriots did. And obviously, I, I got to give a, sh- a shout out here. You got to listen to Mark Schofield. Obviously, I've said many times, uh, a huge buddy of mine, uh, uh, you know, bit, one of my best friends. Uh, I'll fly out say he's one of my best friends on among like football Twitter and, and things like that. You know, really hoping I can make it down to Indy for the combine. And, you know, if I do, hopefully we can meet up. But you've got to listen to him. He obviously does a great breakdown of the of the game. He rambles for about 40 minutes. You know, I certainly won't ramble for 40 minutes. That's, that's not really this podcast. I just wanted to give my thoughts for a few minutes, but um, if, if you want to hear a good breakdown of the game, go check out Mark on locked on Patriots. He, he'll, he'll break it down for you step by step. But la, la, you know, last thing I, I want to say, let, let's be honest. If there was any debate before this game, the debates are gone. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. I don't know how you can not question it. Yeah, this wasn't Brady's greatest game, but the fact of the matter is Tom Brady now has six Super Bowls. Nobody else does. The Only Charles Haley had... Five Super Bowls along with Brady, but now Brady stands alone with six. Debate's over. And listen, Ed Reed, they said his uh, his Hall of Fame discussion lasted about six minutes. Or I'm sorry, not six minutes, about two minutes. Ed Reed's if they talked for six minutes on Ed Reed, and I don't know what what they're doing, but they even two minutes feels like it's pretty long. It's like Ed Reed. Okay. He got this, 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 he's in, you know, we figured Ed Reed was a lock. Tom Brady's going to last about two seconds. Like, okay. Uh, up for nomination, Tom Brady in every, everybody raises their hand and okay, move on. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be honest. Tom Brady's discussion is going to be longer. It, the pass he, in fact, I'm seeing the highlights on NFL Network as we're, as I'm talking right now. Uh, as it'll, it'll probably take longer for Brady to throw that touchdown pass or, or the near touchdown pass to Rob Gronkowski than it will for the voters to debate his Hall of Fame merits. And what one last thing, um, you know, there, there, obviously there's 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 so much you can talk about with this game between the game and all the all the other things. Um, 
I will say this. I was not, not a huge fan of the halftime show. Um, you know, I mean, it's not like Maroon 5 was terrible, but I just couldn't really get into it. Travis Scott, I'm sorry, didn't really do it for me. But when Big Boy came out, it, it was cool to see them sing, you know, I Like the Way You Move, even though obviously it wasn't full outcast. But I'll tell you what, the NFL 100 ad, that was nice. That was really, really cool. I, I, I love that ad. That, that that was awesome. And, you know, I'll, I'll watch that. I'll certainly watch that m many times. But that, that was awesome. Uh, commercials really didn't do it for me either, to be quite honest. I, I, I did like the M&M's the M one with Christina Applegate with the new, uh, new M&M's chocolate bar. But overall, the commercials just didn't really do it for me. And that one with the chunky milk, uh, no, that that was a, a total turnoff. I, I, that might have been the worst commercial. That 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 was just flat out dumb. It's like they're you're just watching people drinking chunky milk. It's like what are we watching? Like, ugh. Like I'm sorry, that that just didn't do it for me. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. But that's that's about it. That puts a wrap. It's, it's crazy to think that this puts a wrap on the 2018 season and it is now full speed ahead to 2019 um you know obviously the league year doesn't officially begin until march when free agency begins but for all intents and purposes 2019 the 2019 season begins today uh you know the waiver system is is back on and then hey you know we got the combine in a few weeks uh you know the the ability to use the franchise tag and the transition tag is coming up. So, you know, all of a sudden it's now back to talking everybody, you know, talking all the teams and talking full fledged Panthers, you know, playoffs are over and now the Panthers are uh, ready to hit the road and hopefully get back to the playoffs. Obviously we've touched on their 2019 opponents you know, on paper, you know, kind of as where they stand now, we, we know it's a, a pretty good schedule. We know that they will see the NFC champion Rams, uh, but they, they will host them. You know, they, again, a lot of their tough games are at home. You know, the Rams go to Carolina, Seattle goes to Carolina, uh, but they go to Arizona and San Francisco, which means they could obviously get see guys like maybe Nick Bosa or someone like, uh, Quinn and Williams, depending on what they do in the draft. And then we know they're headed to Lambeau to take on the Packers. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what the Packers look like. And, you know, I always say I enjoy the crossover episodes that we do during the season. That's going to be one I'm looking forward to because, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Peter's work. 
and what he does with the Packers and across the NFL. So he's definitely one guy I'll be excited to get to chat with. Uh, and then, you know, Brad, who obviously did a fantastic job all season covering the Rams Super Bowl run. And then you've got the Redskins on the road, which they'll be an interesting team to follow in the offseason because, you know, you got the quarterback situation. You know what? We saw the report from Ian Rappaport of how the Redskins are more or less expecting Alex Smith to not play in 2019 because of that broken leg. So what do the Redskins do at the quarterback position? Because as we saw, once Alex Smith went down, so did the Redskins season. I mean, this team was looking like they would at least contend for a wild card spot, if not the division. Once Alex Smith went down, their season just torpedoed. You know, none of the quarterbacks, whether it was Colt McCoy, who then got hurt, or Mark Sanchez, who got hurt, or even Josh Johnson, who hadn't played an NFL game in seven years. None of them could uh, salvage the sinking shit that was the Washington Redskins. And then, of course, on the AFC side, you're looking at the AFC South, which, of course, produced two playoff teams in 2018 and a near-playoff team in the Titans. Uh, the Texans are going to be are obviously going to be a team to watch and on the rise the way their season was. They just kind of, got, kind of have to shore up their offensive line. But if they do, they'll, they'll definitely be a team to watch. The Colts might be a lot of people's sleeper picks to win the AFC next season. I mean, look how quickly they rose. Andrew Luck was comeback player of the year. Got to the playoffs, won a playoff game in Houston before bowing down to the Chiefs. And let's remember, they have a ton of cap space, about $120 million, plus three picks. Three of the first, what, 50-some-odd picks, uh, including two of the top 34, because they've actually got the second pick of the second round in the draft. Because remember, they have the Jets pick, thanks to the trade last year, which helped the Jets get Sam Darnold. So, obviously, they're going to be a, a big-time team. And then the Jaguars, you know, the Jaguars are going to be interesting to watch because what do they do at the quarterback position? There's people connecting dots that they make a run at Nick Foles. And we know, and I think we can say that if the Jaguars can get some kind of stability at the quarterback position, they should get back near the level that they were two seasons ago when they got to the AFC championship, because that, you know, that defense is still intact. Uh, you still have good players on offense. Really, it was Blake Bortles that kind of held the team back. So again, looking at the 2019 opponents for the Panthers, there's there's some intriguing opponents. Obviously, free agency in the draft is going to really change how we look at some of these teams. But And then obviously, the, the division is, is going to be tough as well. You know, you're obviously look, looking at the Saints, who could be entering a farewell tour of sorts for Drew Brees. I mean, this is this very 2019 could very well be the last that we see Drew Brees in the, in the NFL. You know, you, you figure they'll have a good bit of their team back, so they'll obviously be a tough contender. We expect the Falcons to get back to where they were after all those injuries. Buccaneers are going to be interesting now with Bruce Arians at the helm. You know, we'll see what Bruce Arians can do for Jameis Winston. 
So the NFC South, once again, should be a dogfight all season long. So really, really looking forward to a, a fun 2019 as, you know, all these all these seasons usually are, but you know, 2019 definitely feels like a, a very interesting year for the Panthers, almost a make or break season. You know, it's, we saw, you know, we know the status of Cam Newton is very up in the air and you have to wonder if this is kind of a make or break year for Ron Rivera, especially with the fact that, you know, so many, you know, a bunch of, Assistant coaches were let go. Ron Rivera basically now taking control of this defense. So it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be a fun offseason. So, so I think now we'll jump back in and just kind of touch a little bit too on where the Panthers stand at the wide receiver position and the uh, – the wide receiver and the tight end position going into 2019. So uh, again, again, get, get our numbers from spot rack and over the cap, kind of a mix of the two. So we'll start at the wide receiver position. And right now, the biggest cap hit going into 2019 is Torrey Smith at just $5 million because you know, again, you figure Devin Funches is a free agent. So, Torrey Smith at just five million dollars, and that, and I don't believe that is guaranteed. I because be, I believe all of Torrey Smith's money. Because remember, this this was a contract they inherited from the Philadelphia Eagles last season when they made that trade for Daryl Worley. So. Yeah, the, the Eagles had already given the Panther or had already given Torrey Smith that money. So, you know, not, not saying the Panthers are going to get rid of Torrey Smith, but if they choose to, they would save five million dollars because it's it's a straight five million dollar base salary that Torrey Smith is owed in 2019. But again, none of it is guaranteed. Then you look at uh, DJ Moore, the uh, about two and a half million. Obviously, he's not going anywhere. Uh, Productive rookie season, improved as he went along. Uh, I think we'll just continue to get better. You saw, and we've said many times during the season, you saw the playmaking abilities flash at various points of the season. Year two now is going to be about becoming more consistent and continuing to develop and turning those flashes of big time plays into a more what's I don't know what what kind of word I want to use. I guess a more consistent streak of of big plays. You know, if, if you kind of catch my drift there. Um but you know just just continuing to step up really is the key for DJ Moore and I I fully expect him to do that you know I've said how much of a fan I am so I'm I'll be excited to see him in his second season uh Jairus Wright then is next set to count about just under two and a half million in 2019 he's got a base salary of one and a half million dollars plus a signing bonus of 666,666. 
and then his workout bonus of a hundred thousand and uh, also to an extra two hundred thousand dollars which comes from as I load up Jairus Wright's numbers an incentive bonus and so I guess he hit an incentive bonus to, to give him an extra $200,000. He has two years left on his deal because he's also got uh, 2020 where he's due a salary of $1.9 million plus you know the signing bonus. Also a $1 million roster bonus in 2020 and a workout bonus of $100,000. So he'd be set to count about $3.6 million in 2020. But if they cut him, it would it would save about $3 million. But Jairus Wright is someone that uh, I, I think they'll likely keep. I, like, like I've said in the past, I think he was probably one of the more underrated free agent signings of 2018. You know, he didn't, he didn't have a ton of catches, but a lot of his catches were chain movers. You know, a lot of, Big catches on third down to convert for first down. And, you know, whether it's Cam Newton coming from injury or if it's, say, a young quarterback like Kyle Allen, those kind of receivers are very valuable. Uh, then you have Curtis Samuel, who's set to count about $1.7 million next season. Uh, base salary of just over a million dollars and a signing bonus, of, plus his prorated signing bonus of about. $700,000. Like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel is someone that steadily improved as the season wore on. You know, he battled those injuries during his rookie season, battled injuries during training camp. But as the season wore on, you saw him overcome those injuries and saw him really get more comfortable in this offense and really finding his role in this offense. And I think that role will probably grow a little bit. You know, he, he's not going to be a focal point of this offense, but you know, kind of what you saw in the second half of this season is, you know, maybe add a little bit more. It's probably what you can expect to see from Curtis Samuel. So he's a guy that I'm excited uh, as well in year three. And then a couple other, you know, practice squad guys like the Andrew White and Moss Frazier also listed again, uh, Devin Funches, free agents and if you look on spot rack because they sometimes will do uh their calculated market values you know kind of an estimate of what Funch's market value could be in the in the free agent market they're valuing him at about nine million dollars obviously i don't expect the panthers to re-sign devin Funches. as as i've said before you look at Funches' status as the season wore on, especially toward the end of the season, where his snap count slowly reduced, and then he ended up not playing at all. Was and it was inactive in Week 17 against the Saints. So I don't think Funches is in the uh, future plans for the Panthers. In regards to uh, you know, free agency and the draft. I know there's been some buzz, some something maybe wide receiver is a top need 
for the Panthers. Uh, I've seen some mock drafts where they've taken a wide receiver in round one. While I wouldn't necessarily hate the fact if they took a, a wide receiver in round one, uh, I, I don't necessarily think they need to take a wide receiver in round one. I I think wide receiver is pretty deep enough and pretty talented enough that if you want to take one, you can probably get one in round two or maybe even round three. You know, round two maybe maybe someone like Debo Samuel if, if he's there. You know, I've done some mock drafts where I've been able to get Samuel in round three, but don't think he's going to last that long anymore, especially with the week he had in Mobile. So I think if if you're the Panthers and you want a guy like Samuel, you're probably going to have to snag him in round two. That If he's even there in round two as well, you know, he, you wonder if he's going to sneak into round one. But, uh, you know, Samuel in round two is someone I – you know, wouldn't I have a problem with? You know, I've, I've seen some people consider like DK Metcalf or Kelvin Harmon with that 16th pick. Like I said, I, I wouldn't fully be opposed to it because I like both those players. But if you feel you have bigger needs somewhere else and, you know, depending on your board, maybe you go a different position in uh, in free agency or in uh, with that 16th pick rather. Uh, you know, looking at the the top of the list of free agents, at least in terms of their contract value from last season, the way SpotRack has it. Uh, Randall Cobb, who is probably done in Green Bay. I don't expect him to re-sign there. Uh, you got guys like Dante Moncrief, Tavon Austin, Golden Tate, Ryan Grant, John Brown, Jermaine Curse, uh, Cordell Patterson, who's kind of reinvigorated himself with the Patriots. Uh, Kevin White, who seemingly can't stay healthy. I mean, he probably had his healthiest season this year, but uh, still, he has that history. Uh, Mike Wallace, if he doesn't return to the Eagles. Chris Hogan of the Patriots. Cole Beasley, because it sounds like, you know, I, I don't know. There's a little bit of drama there. Who knows what's happening with Cole Beasley and the, the, the Cowboys. Uh, Adam Humphreys with the Bucks, Tyrell Williams of the Chargers is an interesting name. Uh, you know, Philip Dorsett, T.J. Jones, Andre Holmes. Obviously, there's there, there's a big list, so we'll see if uh, we'll see if the Panthers dip into the the free agent pool. You know, are they going to go after someone like Randall Cobb? Probably not. Uh, you know, but someone like Tyrell Williams could be, or Adam Humphreys could be intriguing options for uh, a fairly valuable contract. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there with the uh, with the wide receiver position. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team 
every day. And then real quick, because I'm you know, starting to ramble a bit, obviously, but if we look at the tight end position, uh, Greg Olson set to count $7.1 million in 2019. You know, there's obviously... Uh, you know, the, the concern with the injuries and things like that, but uh, you're likely not moving on from Greg Olson because they actually would not save any money by cutting him, uh, at, at least pre, pre-June pre 1st, because they, they would actually lose about $700,000. But if, say, they were to make a move and cut him after June 1st, uh, they would save about $3 million in cap space this season because then, of course, the cap hit would be split between this year and next year. So it'll be interesting what they do with Greg Olson. Uh, Ian Thomas obviously had his moments toward the end of last season uh, and should continue to develop this season. And then they just re-signed Chris Manhurts to a two-year deal. So it looks like Manhurts is locked in. And then he had uh, Jason Vanderlam on the practice squad. So uh, don't expect them to do too much at the tight end position. You know, maybe they grab one late. Uh, maybe they, you know, maybe they look at someone like uh, Foster Moreau or uh, the tall, the, the tall tree, as it were, um, Darnold Parham out of Stetson. But uh, tight end definitely is a position that I don't think they're going to get uh, too crazy with. Uh, like I said, they might sprinkle a bit, but that's really about it. So. So with that, I think we'll wrap things up here. I think it was a good first show of the 2019 offseason. I still can't believe I'm saying that. You know, the 2018 season is over. You know, Super Bowl 53 is in the books, and now we are on the road to Miami. We're getting ready to begin the road to South Beach, as that, of course, is where Super Bowl 54 will take place on February 2nd. 2020 and hey it'll be here before you know it it feels like just yesterday we were watching the eagles beat the patriots to win super bowl 52 and now here we are a year later and super bowl 53 is in the book so and especially with the celebration that they're doing with nfl 100 it's gonna fly obviously the, the off season's gonna drag a little bit but we're, we'll do our best to you know keep some content going and get through this off season together uh, but as always, like I said, really appreciate all the support you guys give throughout the season. Um, you know, glad to be on this on this trip with you guys, and hopefully, it's going to be a fun off season with the combine and free agency coming, and then the draft. So we'll be all right. We'll we'll make it through this off season. Uh, but that'll do it for today. Again, follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. That's R I C C E T T E. Follow the podcast on. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, however you listen. And remember, if you have a smart speaker, you can listen that way as well because you can just tell your smart speaker to play podcast and then whatever podcast you want to listen to. But that's it for me. I'm out of here. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, and we will see you next time right here on L.O.P. Until then, take care, my friends. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.